Welcome to Raspberry Tea Pod Chat. I'm Claire. I'm Claire. And I'm Jo. <laughs> CCJ. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be when you're listening. It's the Raspberry Tea Ladies here. And in the UK, recently, over the last week or two, exam results have come out. Um, and got us thinking well it got joe thinking specifically so i'll let her continue with this it got us thinking that school feels like your exam results are everything it feels like if you don't get the right results you're not going to have a future but we're here to tell you that nothing could be further from the truth oh my goodness me that's the flipping lead in isn't it if ever there was one yes so it took me right back. They did it differently, didn't they, as well? They'd, they had the um, GCSEs on the Tuesday and then the A-levels on the Thursday, which totally threw me because it used to be the Thursday and then the following Thursday. Yeah. And we were like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. So what happened was when I was at school and I was a little 15-year-old, giddy 15-year-old, I kind of lost interest. I was actually looking through my school reports the other day as well, which was even funnier. Um because I could see exactly when I started to lose interest in school and more interest in things outside of school, like my sports went up and my studies kind of went down. But anyway, long and the short of that was, I was the last year of O-levels, the good old O-levels, and I failed spectacularly. So I took eight and I got three. I got an A, a B and a C, in the three that I got but in English I got U which was either ungraded or unclassified I can't remember I mean it was a it was a I don't do things my halves do I (laughs) my jaws just literally hit the floor it was an absolute humdinger of a fail if you're gonna fail you might as well do it properly um but then from then on I went to sixth form college the following year and I achieved five GCSEs. So last year of O-levels, first year of GCSEs, I did five in one year, passed English, went on to get a teaching degree with English as my specialism. So could have been an English teacher. Now I write for a living, speak for a living, and that's English. And there was a, one of our neighbors came around as well. And she was saying to us, you know, there's certain jobs out there that even if you fail your exams at school, that all this pressure is put on you, there are certain jobs out there that we still need people to do. So do your exam qualifications really need to put that much pressure on you? And can you succeed if you don't achieve them? And that was where my train of thought went. So I'd be interested to see what you two think as well. I think there's, there's lots of examples, certainly in the business world, I mean, take Lord Sugar, for example, got no qualifications whatsoever. He started out working on a market stall. Look where he is now. I think the, it's a lot to do with traditions in a sense, certainly in the UK and I think in other countries as well, that the school and the academic path, you've got to do it, you've got to do well, you've got to get your exam results, you've got to possibly go on to college, some university, things like that. But depending on what you want to do with your life you might not know at such a young age you might need to live a little bit before you find your feet and what you want to do so does having an actual qualification on paper 
mean that you can or can't do a job. And I think there's a lot of pressure put on the fact that you have to have those where there's probably at least half of society or half the kids and young people are probably more practical or like take me and my brother, for example, I'm very academic. I can do the exams and I can do those sorts of things. And I generally come out with passes. I'm not the best. I'm not the worst. I'm kind of in the middle, but on a lot of things, my brother's really, really intelligent, but not so good at exams. So he's, he's actually probably more intelligent than me, but on paper, that's not the case. And I think mm. it's quite unfair, the system in a sense. Do, did you I do think, GCSEs? Sorry, Claire. Did you do did you and your brother do GCSEs? Yeah, I did GCSEs, yeah. Eight C's and two D's. So that was that's different, isn't it, to the old-fashioned O-levels, because yeah. that was more exam-based, whereas GCSEs now are coursework and they've kind of stretched that a little bit, which is I, I think that's a lot of a fairer. It depends on depends on which subject you take and which level. And I, I know it's changed again since I did it, but in maths, science and English, I did written exam. There was only English that had coursework that went with the exam. Right. I think because um, I was put into the top sets, expected to get the A grades and whatever. But like I say, I'm, I'm just a generalist. So I can do the exam, but that pressure on me, if I'd have gone down the course, say 50% of the mark on coursework and then an exam, I mm. probably would have got better results than I got. I yeah. think we have, we have to think there's two sides to this because mm. I agree with everything you've said. It doesn't matter what your exam results are. It doesn't preclude you from doing anything in life. Mm. Absolutely not. But I'm the parent of the group here. Yeah, yeah. So I have to I have to put a parent's perspective on school exams forward. And that's quite difficult for me because I pulled my daughter out of school in Y8. Mm. So she's not done any exams. So but I'm not talking about the parents who put enormous amounts of pressure on their kids to do well. You know, a girl I went to school with, her dad was a headmaster. Um, of a secondary school and she had enormous amounts of pressure and she went to Oxford and left six months in and became a postwoman because it was all just too much for her and that was yeah. her dad's doing yeah um I'm pleased to say she did go back to university and she, she did become a teacher which was what she always wanted to be but um I think if your child is in school you have to try and encourage them to do as well as they can in their exams yeah, yeah I think not to do so would be responsible as a parent however yeah. if you know your child isn't particularly academic or not good at exams or whatever it might be then you have to soften it for them mm-hmm. so they know they understand it's not the end of the world I think you, if if you are looking for, um, I don't know, let's say corporate for want of a better word, because you know if you become a joiner, it's a profession. Mm. I think if you want in a corporate type of job in finance to be a solicitor, to you know those sorts of professions, yeah. I think then your exam results do matter. There are you alternatives. Have to have. 
Well, there are, there are alternatives. You know, we've been looking into what Laura wants to do and she doesn't necessarily need A-levels. I mean, as a home educated kid, she doesn't need anything. She can turn up with a portfolio and they can't turn her away. Um, but rather than doing A-level, she could do a BTEC, for example. There are yeah. alternatives. Now, obviously, you have snobby universities who will go, no, we want the tradition and that's up to them. Yeah. That's mean. That's so. I think from a parent's point of view, I think you would be wrong if you said to your kids, "Don't worry about your exams. You don't need to do them because you're going to make a good a go of it anyway." Absolutely, yeah. I think I think you do have to encourage them to do the best they can at school, whatever oh. that is for their level. But I am a hundred, hundred percent behind the fact that your qualifications mean sod all in most professions. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember going into, um, into Lombard and into RBS and you had to have English and maths, O-level or equivalent. Didn't have to have A-levels because you, you could go in at any level basically, which was great. Was I tested on it? No, absolutely not. I just had to show the qualifications and that was it. Um, how many times have I ever used Pythagoras theorem and um you know I can't even remember what else we did in math <laughs> I, I am totally totally agree with that for for maths in particular what you taught at school quadratic equations Pythagoras things like that Fair enough, if you want to be a mathematician or a math teacher or go into a mathematical type job, great. But the majority of people, addition, division, multiplication, interest rates, fuel prices, tax, yeah. weight of things like a kilo of this costs this, two kilos cost this. So comparing the weight, a bit of science with a bit of mass and making it life-based. Yeah. Why is there not now after all this time an option to go on a life-based education of things that will actually be useful tools i've not once used any of the maths that i learned at school not right. you do have kids do have the option to take international gcses i gcses which are much much more life-based because they are aimed at kids who move around the world with their parents because of jobs so they are much more life skill based and I noticed somebody that three of us know um a business owner the other day and her son goes to a private school actually um and he got his IGCSE results so their school's chosen to two IGCSEs now it might be because they have an international cohort of students I don't know mm. don't know enough about it it made me smile that somebody going to a private school was doing IGCSEs rather than the normal GCSEs. But the world is now international. With the internet, take this global pandemic that we've been through, the whole world has been through it. Still no, going through it. The whole world is going through it massively. Through. Yeah. But that's what I mean, <laughs> is going through it. The internet took down pretty much all borders. The world is international. So why, this is the first time I've heard of this IGSE. IGCSE even mm. our education system is still archaic in a sense in in the material that's taught 
is that the Surely issue with life-based education should be more important or the schools or the education system whatever advisors yeah but if Claire, you know the what issue... you want to do and it's mathematical then you do that one but most people the issue is it's like with everything the government is only in power for a finite amount of time and they won't make changes that may impact longer term unless the next government and the next government and the next government are all in agreement. Mm. And this is the issue. It's, you know, the, the pension crisis that the UK has gone through. Ten more, more than 10 years ago, I know somebody finance went to the government and said if you give me this pot per person i can ensure they each person in this country has a million pounds pension part mm-hmm. and the government said we can't do that because we've only got two years left we can't we can't be guaranteed that our previous our next our successor sorry will want to do that as well so we can't implement it nationwide that's the issue we've got and people don't understand that the government won't change big things they won't do massive things because they're only in power for a certain amount of time it's simple as that but the whole education system needs overhauling we know that everybody knows that don't we Mm. yeah i mean there clearly are changes since crikey i'm 50 one Claire's a little bit older, one Claire's a fair bit younger. Um, we've kind of <laughs> got across the thresholds here, haven't we? But yeah, it's interesting to see how things are changing little bit by little bit, I guess, so um, you, and in we've, education. We've, we've talked there about the current exams in the UK. We've just had its GCSEs and A-levels and things like that. Yeah. What about in professional life? Like you say, we, we, we are now quite a bit older. Yeah, a while since we did our school sort of exams and and that sort of education. Do you think things like professional qualifications, like, for example, that accountants or solicitors might get, how important do you think they are to, let's say, clients? Because we all talk about putting the client first and what they want. Does the client need to know about professional qualifications? What's your thoughts on that? This is an interesting one because Joe and I write websites and it's it's quite interesting what the company who who own the website think their clients want to know and what their clients actually do want to know. I think with certain professions in finance, in law, in medicine, etc., it's not that we need to know what qualifications they've got, but they have to have them. Mm-hmm. because they've got to keep up with the latest information you know they've got to make sure their skills are honed if they're a med- medic they've got to know what the latest drugs are as a, as a client of any of those professions I think the vast majority of people accept that they've got them accept that they are regulated yeah so how about the trades because we do a lot of trade websites as well don't we so the trades, I think there are certain trades that's very it's very important to be regulated. For example, heating engineers who are installing a boiler and dealing with gas. Yeah. You know, we know how dangerous that is. Electricians, you know, if somebody's putting in a, a water feature outside and it's done wrong and the rain's going to get to it and your garden's going to explode when your kids or your pets are next to it. Yeah, it's a bit of an issue. So I think there are certain certain trades where it's essential that their skills are maintained and updated. 
Uh-huh. Their clients want to know that in the main again. No, they, they assume that they are qualified. I think with gas, a lot of customers now know about the gas safe thing. And so you need yeah. the gas safe logo on your, your website type of thing. But I mean, a joiner, are you going to ask a joiner what qualifications they've got or a roofer? No, I think I think insurance is probably the only thing that I would want to make sure that they're covered for in case anything went wrong and a guarantee. But, you know, that those, if I say softer trades, I know what I mean, but our listeners might not. So it's, it's like your builders, your glaziers, for instance, carpet fitters. I mean, you know, they're the the ones that aren't regulated, as we said, and all of our businesses are similar in that sense, aren't they? Because we are not regulated in what we do. Um, Claire, have you got any regulations and stipulations in your business? There's no such regulations. The, the, for example, on marketing and when you're, if you're selling a service into a business, not just mine, but in that sort of area where there's a, a, a spend and the company's advising to do something else. You have to have professional indemnity insurance and things like that. Should yeah. something go wrong or the advice you give actually causes that company to lose money, for example. You yeah. know, but you, a, a responsible business has those kinds of insurances, but it's not a regulation. There are cpd like professional development kinds of qualifications you can get in all types of marketing some of those cover branding i know there's uh, certifications and things in specifically in branding that seem to be more private and they come from people who've already got to the pinnacle of that world so to speak but they're they're not necessary and things like that don't if I have a, a, an, any more qualifications in the job and the service I deliver it's not going to make a difference to my customers no and I think that's the thing we've all got to keep up with trends we've all got to keep up with the latest things so player you've got to keep up with trends link design mm-hmm. and things like that um you've also got to make sure that not if you're creating a new brand image for somebody but it's not similar to another company's mm-hmm. You know, we've all seen those logos come out and we've gone, oh, my God, that's so close to the big boys. I don't know how you're going to get away with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think I think some designers are guilty of not keeping up or not realising that, that what they're envisaging and what they're putting on paper for a client is actually very close to something else they've seen. And that's where they got their idea from. Yeah. Um, it's like subconscious but, influence. If it's yeah, I mean, when I set up Raspberry Flamingo, even though I'd been trained as a copywriter in my first job out of education, I still took a, another qualification in direct response copywriting to make sure that my skills were current mm. and that, I, you know, we have to keep up with page SEO to make sure that what we write for people ranks with Google. Yeah. People don't ask us how we do that. People have, I've never been asked once what qualifications I've got. Mm. And it's the same with coaching. So I've just, as you know, gone into coaching. Coaching is not a regulated business. Um, I am constantly studying, constantly learning more. However, 
you can just go into coaching with no qualification, no training, no practice whatsoever. If you want to do that, personally, I wouldn't. And I have hours and hours of practice behind me. I have hours and hours of studying behind me. I've done online courses. I've done live online courses. I've done, you know, it's, there's all sorts of things out there to boost your, it makes you feel more confident in yourself that what you are doing is right. And that is going to be right for your client. So the qualifications don't necessarily prove anything because you might be able to write responses to exam questions as going back to what we said at the start, actually putting these things into practice and people skills, you might be absolutely rubbish at. And for all of us, we need those people skills. You're not actually taught people skills anywhere, are you? No, and I think, no. you know, I mean, <laughs> and, and I think the, the issue with that is the more intelligent somebody is sometimes, the fewer people skills they've got. You know, how, how many times does doctors get told you, you're a brilliant doctor, but you've got a crap bedside manner? Bedside manner, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it, it is, you're absolutely right. People skills should be way up there. It, just conversational skills, you know, I have this, conversation with my other half all the time because when I first met him his conversational skills were appalling <laughs> but everybody loves him he's you know he works throughout the world and he can get on with literally any nationality but yeah. the conversational skills were very masculine I believe in that somebody would say something and rather than listen and ask questions and develop that conversation more just come back with their own example yeah. and then the next person come in with their example and the next person with, and actually nobody understood or remembered anything because the doll just talked at one another yeah you know and so I, th I think that's quite a male trait having been to the pub with guys that's sort of what they do on a night out whereas we sit and listen and ask how it made you feel and what you, can we help and what what do you want to do about it and where, how are you going to move forward from it and all of those things I think I don't know if it just come more natural to women I don't know if, whether it's the sort of mothering female instinct caring nurturing I don't know I'm, I'm probably that takes me back to school as well because I can just picture all the girls sitting in the cloakrooms at break time and at lunchtime the boys were out playing football they weren't actually talking to each other yeah. we used to discuss everything absolutely all sorts you know we might sit and sing together you know whatever was in the charts at the time you'd be singing you'd be putting harmonies together just being in each other's company at school yeah. that is an important thing Claire was just waving her hand then go on sorry yeah, I was one outside playing football with the lads as well. But <laughs> I think um, in contradiction to the, the general direction you were taking with that in, yeah, Claire often comments on how good I am at asking questions and listening and getting dig, digging, basically, to get an understanding of whatever the situation might be. But I did spend a lot of my time kicking a football around, climbing a tree, doing all that sort of stuff. So... Um, I guess I am a bit weird, aren't I? But... Yeah, but it's, no, it, it's good to see another side of it, isn't it? Because we can't generalise like that. We can't no. just say we all do this or we all do that because we don't. Um, but I think there is an element of the just being civil to people and being sociable that is so important 
And, you know, you sit and you look at the, the children now, and I am generalizing, how much time do they spend with their heads down in or out of school? I know schools have got to be careful now and phones are banned or they're at least put to one side or whatever during lessons and everything. But how much time do they spend with their heads down, looking at the phones, looking at the tablets, gadgets, whatever, and don't have that socializing skill? And actually, that is one thing that is going to matter massively because there are still going to be face-to-face. -face. I mean, we've gone through this whole pandemic where everything has gone online. But actually, they've gone online in a way that you are looking at people on a screen and you automatically take to the people who show some personality, who show a bit of something about them, the ones that sit there quietly miss out, don't they? And I think if parents have any responsibility, it is really to encourage their children to, to be open, to be the talkative ones, not necessarily curious. like me that would just talk all day. But sorry, Claire. I... Be curious. Yes. I think, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it comes back down to listening skills. Listen to learn, not to respond. Yeah. It's as simple as that, you know, and schools should teach that. Because all schools do is teach people a theory that they remember and then regurgitate at an exam. That is not encouraging somebody to actively listen and ask questions to develop a subject. Now, going back to when we were at school, obviously, and my stepdaughter is a teacher, she's an English teacher, and she's just finished her first year through the pandemic. Can't believe she got through it, but she did, bless her. And she does get her kids reason and task questions and things like that but she's a drama teacher yeah so yes. she wants them to understand the meaning behind the script the personalities behind the script and I didn't actually realize how important drama was to kids skills until I listened to how she teaches yeah and actually she is teaching them to listen to ask questions and to learn more and to fill it out not just to respond and I think if more dramas, more schools did drama, because not all do, and I think if more drama teachers were like her, actually kids would be a lot better because she's not at a particularly good school from an area point of view. The kids are incredibly ill-behaved. Um, I won't even go there because it's just, it's horrendous. I, if I was a teacher, I'd walk out and never go back. Um, but she has got some of the kids who are worse behaved in the school eating out the palm of her hand yeah. because she teaches them in a way they can identify with. And she's got such good feedback. It's such a positive thing. Mm. Um, and it's brought us nicely back around to where we started from, Claire. How? Well done. I think that's been an amazing topic to talk about, actually. I mean, I know it was mine. I'm slightly biased, but there you go. <laughs> uh -oh. So, so yeah. are you going to round us up? I can do so. Interesting to explore. Exams, any qualifications, if it's going to enhance your career, if you're in a professional level, if it's going to matter to your clients and make a difference to you. If you're at a younger age, do the best you can in whatever you do, be it an exam, be it life, be it walking down the street, be it talking to people in a conversation. Just do your best. 
If you don't get it right first time, you can always do it again. We have second, third, fourth, fifth chances in life. You can always do it at another time. So don't put that pressure on you that if you don't do it first time, life's going to end. It's not the most important thing in the world. Yes, it's important and it's very important to you right now, but you can do it again. It's not a problem. And as you'll see, there's people in life like Alan Sugar and other business people They've achieved what they wanted to do through time and not with qualifications. So there are things you can do, jobs you can do, careers you can take. You might not even know what they are yet because you don't know what you want to do. Just enjoy your life and take it one step at a time and you will find your own way. And on that note, we're going to go and enjoy our brews. So, ladies, it's time for a brew. Bye. Bye.